Do you have a take on whether cancel culture is um, like, uh, like at the right place, uh, a little bit overboard, uh, still more work to be done? Ugh. You know, I, I, I go back and forth on that, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not for somebody does one thing wrong and then we, we banish them. I mean, in your case, it's more complicated too, for the fact that you actually know a lot of people as human beings and there's like a natural temptation. If you know someone as a human being, you'd be like, oh, like I know that person. That's like a human being. Sometimes, you know, the human being, you're like, oh, that person is an asshole. Yeah. And then other times you'd be like, that person's actually okay. And that was just some really dumb thing. Um, I, you know, I, I wish we had a finer way to distinguish between those two situations. You you can see it. You can you can see the where, where people that people don't come come to the to their defense. You know, <laughs> really? Like, really? Yeah, really? Is that yeah. the way it is? Yeah, everybody's like, uh huh, okay, finally got him. But when when people come out and say like, hey, come on, that guy's not like that. Oh, come on, she's this person is a good person. Da da da. Then you know it's like, okay, come on, this somebody just made a slip. It's cool. Leave him alone. Yeah. I am thrilled to welcome to Yang Speaks, the incredible comedian, writer, author, actress, activist, you name it, what hasn't she done? Wanda Sykes, welcome, Wanda. It's great to see you. Great to have you here. Oh, well, thank you. Thanks for having me on. I mean, what what else do I have to do, right? Well, we were just talking about how the, the fact your wife and kids are in France and uh, you're here in the States with us. <laughs> and uh, we're all thinking like, wow, um, the French are smart not letting us in. <laughs> you know, it, it's freaking terrible that yeah. we're all, uh, you know, looking up to the rest of the world. Because I think at this point, they're through the worst of it. They're probably reopening. Your, your family is probably sending you pictures of everyone outside. Oh, man. My, my kids, they went to an amusement park. They, uh, no way. you know, ride roller coasters. And, but, but they're all still, you know, wearing the, wearing the mask. But they, um, yeah, the bowling alley. I mean, they're, I mean, you know how many germs get passed at a bowling alley. But they're in there having a great time they i mean they did the right thing you know early on well it's good for them not so good for us so in in your case you're probably a little bit like me where like uh, i'm uh patriotic American, I'd feel a little bit bad about like, uh, you know, going someplace else, even though like on a rational level, it would make sense. And in your case, your wife's family is from France. So, so that makes a world of sense. So one of the, the things I, I know um, we have in common is uh, the uh, poor people's march that happened. It was meant to happen live in, in DC. Um, did you connect with Reverend Barber like during that time? And like, how did you get connected uh, with the march? Um, well, I follow him on, you know, on social media and, uh, I guess I, I liked enough of his posts and retweeted enough of his things that he, he slid into my DMs and, uh, and he asked me if I would, you know, join and, and participate. And I was like, oh, absolutely. Cause I, I believe, um, in what, you know, what they're doing and what they stand for. Yeah, me too. I had a chance to sit down with, Reverend Barber, during the campaign, uh, they got some of the presidential candidates to talk about our mm-hmm. plans on poverty. And uh, it was incredible to me 
how, frankly, in my mind, like underappreciated uh, that movement was where for all of the good they're doing, I mean, at this point, they're speaking to the real life situation of 70, 80% of Americans at this point, like, you know, half of whom uh, can't afford an unexpected $400 bill. Everyone's living mm-hmm. paycheck to paycheck. Uh, and I, I love the fact that they're trying to uh, take Dr. King's teachings and philosophies and implement them now, decades later. I mean, it's, it's decades overdue uh, in my mind. Uh, and it's something that, you know, I was thrilled to see you working, working on with them because to me, that message is hitting home really powerfully right now. Like we have a chance to actually make some changes in a big way because of the fact that so many people are struggling. Oh, absolutely. And really, when you think about it, that was like Dr. King, some of his, the most radicalist, you know, um, ideas that, that he had. And then a lot of people think that's what made him even more dangerous and probably what, you know, causes assassination um when he's you know trying to unite people on on such a basic level you know and um and i i think it's it's like you said the decades overdue because it's just just the basic idea that you work 40 hours a week and you still living below poverty it's just it's especially in this country it's like it, it, it that should automatically be like hey something's wrong here this this is not how how we should be as a as a country yeah it's it's incredible how much we've been brainwashed where even like the language people have uh, argues around the same thing where it's like hardworking americans or like people are trying to work and uh, and one of the things I said on the trail all the time, and you know this as a parent now, is like, you know who works harder than me is my wife, who's, who's like with the, the kids, one of whom is uh, autistic. And that kind of work isn't really attributed uh, any economic value. And when people talk right. about like, oh, hardworking Americans are always talking about the nine to five, that 40 hour work week, that isn't a reality for most of us anymore like we don't have an economy where you wake up and go to the factory and like you work from nine to five uh and then you punch out no at at this point those jobs are getting done by machines you know like more and more people are working in these gig temp jobs where you're at the whim of you know the uber or the uh lyft or whatever it is you're working for uh, you don't get benefits. You don't have a real path forward. And like, we're pretending like the economy still works the way it did in the seventies. So the fact that Dr. Barber and you and others were taking that, uh, that cause to DC, I mean, uh, you know, I would have loved to have seen how many people that we could have gotten out if not for the fact that we're in the time of COVID because I know it was virtual. Um, but what was your experience like with them? So my part was mainly just pointing out that the majority, you know, of, of, of poor people is made up of women and children where we're hit the hardest. And it's like you were saying, a lot of women make up for, uh, you know, take care of the homes and uh, it's work that doesn't, you know, doesn't count in here. Um, and, and also to me, I thought that the approach was, was right the way they did it because instead of, you know, us who, we're not in that category. We're not, you know, we're not struggling. We're, we're pretty blessed to step aside and just let the people who are actually in these situations 
to, to let them tell their stories. And I think that's what was so effective is um, using our, our platforms to shine a light, to let these people speak, to, like they say, to, to give them a voice. And I think that's, uh, to me, that's what I, uh, that, that drew me to wanting to work with them because I'm like, look, I'm not going to stand up here and talk about, you know, uh, what it's like to be poor. I mean, uh, am I a, a generation away from that, you know? But yeah, but still, I think we need to hear from people who, um, you know, who are, who are suffering. Yeah. yeah. Which is most of, most of America at this point. Right. This podcast is sponsored by Helix Sleep. I've always been a mattress guy because I figured if I'm going to do something for up to eight hours, maybe I should do it right. And Helix Sleep lets you do it right by sending you one of 20 unique mattresses that's tailored for you. I took the Helix Sleep quiz, takes only a couple minutes, and I was matched with a Helix Dawn mattress because I wanted something that felt firm and I sleep on my back. That mattress is exactly what I needed, but strangely enough, my kids now seek out that mattress in the house and want to sleep on it even though I did not order it with them in mind. If you have a high quality mattress, it is a game changer, a huge difference maker. Don't take my word for it. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It is even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com yang. That's helixsleep.com yang. This is their best offer yet and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. So has has uh, Vice President Biden called you to, you know, just to pick your brain, get some advice as far as like his platform? So I've got a call... I've got a call later this week with uh, two people who are uh, working on his tech policy. Um, so we're going to put our heads together on that. And I talked to Joe last week uh, because I co-hosted an event for him. Um, but when I talked to Joe, uh, you know, we've, we've bonded a fair amount um, over the fact that the middle class may disappear because our economy is changing in, in various mm-hmm. ways. And he was one of the first people, actually, and this was months ago, um, during one of the early debates where he came to me, like, uh, during one of the breaks in the, the debate and said, uh, He came to you and I, said, he came to you and said, can you get that comma off my back, please? Um, yeah, and then after he said that, he, <laughs> he, he, then, uh, he then said, yeah, we should really do something about this uh, fourth industrial revolution because I'm scared that it's going <laughs> to eviscerate the middle class. Um, and then please, yeah, and then, but, but back to the Kamala thing, yeah. Um, <laughs> so so Joe, Joe and I have talked extensively about the nature of the problem. Um, when I see him now, like, because in part, Wanda, this is funny, like, I, he, I'm someone that... Um, I believe he is looking to, to try and address uh, like tech and economy related issues, but I've been in his shoes as a candidate 
And when you're the candidate, like you have so much stuff that you need to do in balance that like the last thing you necessarily need is someone coming and being like, hey, I'm going to now like uh, tell you what's what with like this issue or this issue. Like he's just got like, you know, he's got to like uh, do what his team's telling him. So I'm plugged in to the um, to the Biden team. Um, okay. And I talk to Joe like, you know, um, periodically, but like I, I don't try and um, – like uh, do a brain dump into him because like, I understand what, what he's facing. Uh, I mean, we got a freaking, we got a freaking ride uh, Joe and his team uh, through the finish line November and then get Trump the hell out of there. And then we can all get our heads together and figure out how to rebuild this uh, country that's now devastated on multiple levels. Uh, But yeah, I saw Joe last week and um, on the trail, I'm actually, I'll tell you a random story. I don't know why I'm sharing this, but I thought it was really pretty wise. So um, New Hampshire candidates were all doing our things, blah, blah, blah. And then um, uh, Paul Giamatti comes up and uh, he essentially was like a political tourist where he decided just, I'm going to watch like half a dozen different candidates do their things in like little, um, little gatherings because we all had little gatherings scheduled. So Paul just like hopscotched around to like different um like different events, just so you could, mm-hmm. you could do it all in a day or two. Um, and when you're in that context as a candidate, as I was, like you run into Joe by accident, like every few weeks in, uh, in one of the early states. And, uh, and so Joe and I would run into each other every few weeks, really for the, like the last two years in my case, because I declared really early. I was running around waving my flag before anyone was paying any attention. <laughs> and then Joe and the gang joined in and like all of a sudden like, um, that there were periods when I was definitely getting bigfooted by other candidates where it'd be like, Andrew Yang's here, but never mind about him. <laughs> you know? yeah, right. Joe was here. <laughs> there was that. Um, yeah. So Joe, Joe and I are in touch and I'm very, like you, I'm very, very uh, excited about uh, him defeating Donald Trump in just a few months. Yes. Yes. I know my girl was like, we got to get behind him. I was like, we had to get behind him in front of him on the side of him. We got to prop him up and get him through there, man. Because uh, yes. we, we cannot, we cannot do do more of this. Uh-uh. Well, people who 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 know my uh, thinking on this, it's like I think Joe's going to win. Truly, like I think so many of us are really shell shocked to be like, oh snap, like Trump, you know, pulled it off once before. Like he he might like uh, pull it off again and you know, the, there's some uncertainty around the vote, but any objective analysis to me is like, Joe's going to win. Uh, like we've got 72% of Americans who say this is the worst time in American history since they've been alive. Uh, that's not exactly a climate where everyone's like, yeah, like I want four more years right. of this. <laughs> you know, right. there, there are like right. millions of people who <laughs> voted for Trump who are like, this sucks. Like this is pretty terrible. So I think Joe's going to win, but you and I and other people have to try and uh, make sure it happens. Like we got to do the work. Yeah, absolutely. And and like the people, especially uh, young African Americans, and who are you know out protesting, got to get them to the polls. People, I mean, they, they got to that that same energy. I mean, we got to face facts. This is a binary decision. Like it's going to be Absolutely. President Trump or President Biden. And we just got to make it President Biden. And I'll tell you, like hang, having hung out with Joe, he's open to different points of view. Like he's not like a, 
like a particularly ideological guy. Like he's looking mm-hmm. around being like, okay, like what, what's the plan? Um, so I am going to be chiming in on some tech policy a little bit later this week, happily with the folks at like the, that are helping to craft that. And I think that there are major issues around technology that we need to play catch up on. So one thing I wanted to talk to you about, Juan, is like you are like one of the trailblazers in so many ways. Like you went and, and carved this incredible uh, path for yourself. Um, you eventually come out uh, as homosexual, and it sounded like that was a difficult process because your family was quite conservative. Mm-hmm. Now you're married, have a beautiful family, eleven year old twins, um, and and then you were a writer uh, on Roseanne, and like they had this this issue where obviously like that like Roseanne ended up. Um, having some uh, terrible statements that, that came out on Twitter. And then I believe you left that show. Um, but on the same time, like I see your comedy and your comedy is so real. Like your comedy is like no punches being pulled. Like Wanda Sykes is like, you know, just like telling it like it is be real. And there's so many comedians from your era that uh, have issues with the fact that it seems like the, uh, the goalposts keep moving for comedy or the goalposts keep moving for art generally where like if artists were to talk about certain things x years ago we'd all be like yeah that's fine um uh, but now it seems like the rules have shifted um and and you again are like one of the original trailblazers uh of the era you've seen and done it all like do you have a take on whether cancel culture is um like uh like at the right place uh, a little bit overboard uh still more work to be done Ugh. You know, I, I, I go back and forth on that. It, to me, it's, it's, it's up to the audience. The audience gets to decide who's canceled and who's, and who's not. Um, I mean, we can all say, hey, that's wrong. This person, this person should, you know, should go away or be canceled. But if that person, you know, says, hey, I'm doing a show, and, pe- and the audience shows up and buys, a, buys tickets to see that person, then who are we to say, you know, you're wrong, that you, you're not allowed to, you know, to, to, to support or this is the comic that you like? You, no, no, we're not going to allow, allow this to happen. If that person is not for you, then fine. Then don't, don't go see them. Don't go support them. But, yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not for somebody does one thing wrong and then we, we banish them. Well, particularly in comedy and I just as a human being too, and as a presidential candidate, I can share this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you stick a mic in my face often enough. Like eventually I'll say something really stupid. Of course. <laughs> you know, that, that's just humanity. That's, like, that, absolutely. And, and as a candidate, like that, there was very much that dynamic where people, it almost seems like, they're trying to get you to say something problematic so that they can be like, see, look at this person and look at this statement. And so that they'll like ask you questions that you could tell are meant to try and like get a rise out of you or somewhat like contentious. And then like as a candidate, you had to essentially just like, just check any kind of humanity at the door in terms of like uh, an emotional response. Because if you react emotionally, then it's like, oh, like then like we got him because he reacted harshly when we like 
subtly insinuated that he was, you know, like a racist or a terrible person or whatever the insinuation was. Um, and, and so, uh, so I understood at least that part of it as a candidate. It's like, mm-hmm. like, okay, I get it. But like, if you catch anyone on film and like their worst moments, like we'd all look freaking terrible, um, you know, like just as human beings. And so then if you say, it's like, look, I have this, this moment of this person saying something regrettable. Um, so let's try and expunge their existence from, you know, like the culture or from the, from social media or whatnot. But I mean, what you said initially to me, was like the way it used to be, which is like, Hey, I don't like your art. I don't like your comedy. So I will not watch or consume it. And I will just turn, turn, turn this way. Doesn't that make, yeah. Does that make sense? I mean, that made sense to me. Yeah. Uh, and then, but but now there's like a new thing. It's like, I don't like what you're saying. And now I will somehow condemn you. I will somehow try and tell others that like, if you're associated with this person, there's another part of it too, that like, that there's like this um, strange, supposed to be like transferal of attitudes or beliefs. Like if, if you said something that I disagreed with and I sat and had this conversation with you, then I'm also actually in the wrong because like I'm going to somehow be either getting your attitudes and beliefs from you uh, or somehow like helping you transfer them to, um, to others. And it's like, can't, can't people just have a conversation and like, not like imagine that uh, I agree with everything that the other <laughs> person is saying. I mean, happens in real life all the time. Like, you know, I talk to my neighbor, my neighbor thinks all sorts of stuff that I'm probably not a fan of, but it's like, <laughs> you know, like right. we still talk over the fence and, you know, like no, no uh, problems were had. Um, so I, I'm with, with you on that level. It's like the, the negation of your own consumption, like a-okay, but then like the negation of anyone's consumption, it's like, come on, people should be able to, uh, to see what they want to see. Right. I mean, in your case, it's more complicated too, for the fact that you actually know a lot of people as human beings. And there's like a natural temptation. If you know someone as a human being, you'd be like, oh, like I know that person. That's like a human being. Sometimes, you know, the human being, you're like, oh, that person is an asshole. Yeah. And then other times you'd be like, that person's actually okay. And that was just some really dumb thing. Um, I, you know, I, I wish we had a finer way to distinguish between those two situations. You you can see it. You can you can see the but where people that people don't come come to the to their defense. You know, <laughs> really? Like, really? Yeah, really? Is that yeah. the way it is? Yeah, everybody's like, uh huh, okay, finally got him. But when when people come out and say like, hey, come on, that guy's not like that. No, come on, she's this person is a good person. Da da da. Then you know it's like, okay, come on, this somebody just made a slip. It's cool, leave him alone. Well, that, that's encouraging, Wanda. You know, we, sh- we should definitely, like, you know, take a beat and look around and be like, can anyone uh, cover to this person's defense right, or rescue? Because right. uh, if so, like, we all just, like, wait a day to, like, decide what I think. Um, that, I mean, that could be, like, at least an improvement over the current process. I mean, in an yeah. ideal world, and this, this happens to me, too. In an ideal world, you'd actually, like, this is not realistic, but this is the ideal. You'd actually just be able to call a person up and be like, hey, so what's up? Like, what was that about? <laughs> and you'd, right. like, hear, hear what the backstory was. Of course, we never had that opportunities, and, and a lot of the time, someone's career is on the line, so then they'll end up having, like, a very, like, rehearsed, crafted statement and the, the, the rest of it, um, which in some ways is really unfortunate because you kind of just want someone to be like, all right, like, you know, this was the deal. 
Yeah, exactly. And the ones that are so crafted, well crafted, they they feel so fake, and you know the person is just saying it to try to save their career. You know, and this, then you're like, nah, this is not this is not going to do it. But I, I would rather for somebody to say something if they say something, you know, stupid or whatever, racist, whatever, and they get called out on it. For them to go, wait a minute, what's, what, what was wrong with what I said? You know, I, I'd rather for them to start at that point. Like, what, what was wrong with it? So at least now people are saying, well, because it's this, this, this. And they go, oh, oh man, well, I didn't think that. But, okay, I can see it that way. Okay, my bad, man. I'm, I'm sorry. I won't, you know. At least you're, you're, you see that there's, a, there's some growth there. They're, they're learning something. But um, don't apologize if you don't know what you're apologizing for. There, there are parallels to politics again with this because you see also like the very, very polished statements where like, you know, someone misspeaks or there's a gaffe and then it's like, oh, like I'm, I'm really, really sorry. And like here are like the things. I mean, this happened to me on the trail too, where, you know, like I was accused of doing something. And then um, these consultants around my campaign team were like, all right, you need to apologize for this immediately. And I was like, does anyone want to ask me whether this actually happened or whether like, like, like there's a real thing? You want to check on that? And then, and then after they checked, with, eventually, it was, so when I said that, they were like, is this real? And I was like, it is not real. And apologizing for it is like the opposite of what <laughs> we should do because it happens to be completely untrue. And like, I got the sense too, that the consultants just assumed it was true because probably they've been around other situations where it was true. <laughs> was, was, was probably it. Um, but, but also like, that's like their knee jerk reaction because they're, they're like trying to protect the, um, they're trying to protect like the institution or the franchise, you mm -hmm. know, like in this case, it was like, Hey, I was a candidate who'd raised millions of dollars. They're getting paid um, uh, by me. And I didn't have that many consultants because I really disliked consultants. Um, but we, we had a, a couple for uh, media stuff and some other things. And so when they came out with this guidance, like they're just trying to protect the franchise and and meanwhile, they didn't even check with a human being uh, to be like, hey, like, what, what, you know, what's going on? If we could somehow humanize these communications and do what you just suggested, where the person's like, what's wrong with what I said? Like, can someone explain to me like where I went wrong? And then, you know, have like a little bit more of like a human education process, because like there's like a real um, there's like faux shame. Uh, you know, you can sense it in some of these communications and it's preceded by this faux outrage where it's mm. like, like, are people that like actually like upset by what this person said? Like half the time it's shit that someone says around you casually, like, you know, but they're not a public figure, obviously. It's just some, you know, some knucklehead like, <laughs> or whatnot, like says it around you and like, you don't go around like, you know, um, like berating, like, uh, you know, your freaking like uncle or grandfather, whatever, whatever right. it happens to be. Um, and so there, like, there's this like, so there's like a faux outrage and it like rises up and then there it's followed by like this faux penance or faux shame. And it's like, you know, I will think I will reflect, I will retreat into my cave. I will, you know, do, do the stuff. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, you know, we need to like tamp both of those reactions down ideally. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the fake 
anger, the fake, yeah, that just bugs me. You know, that oh, it's just the worst because it's like, I know you don't give a shit about this, but you just, you just feel like you're, this is how you're the, the, the right way I should react, you know? Um, but really what's so ridiculous about all of this is that Trump has said some of the most the craziest shit ever craziest shit the most offensive shit ever I mean grandma by the pussy I mean it, you start there and he still became president so it seems like everybody should get at least three we should all get like just three you get you you can you can say whatever crazy shit you want to say three times and nobody can mess with you It, it was funny, Wanda, because like I was new to politics and I'm like a recently uh, minted public figure uh, where, you know, like no one knew who the hell Andrew Yang was uh, not that long ago. Uh, and so the lessons you learned when you were coming up in the, uh, you know, like the 90s and becoming a public figure, like I kind of got downloaded into me very, very quickly in a compressed time frame, you know, like it, and you figure them out because like I'm adaptive and I was like, all right, I'm trying to get a job done. And in my case, the job was to try and uh, abolish poverty and get universal basic mm-hmm. income across the finish line. Uh, I don't know if you have a viewpoint on universal basic income um, as something that, that we should adopt. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, I, I, I agree with it. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know why, like who, who I don't understand why people would be against it or I, maybe just like, we're just not aware because we don't, they don't talk about it enough of how uh, like with, 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 with the, um, with what they did with the COVID situation, give all this money to corporations. And I read there was like a, a, a guy who owns a, a private jet company. He got like $27 million, but that's fine. But then when we say, hey, can we extend another $1,200 to, you know, to, to individuals, the people, they, they're like, oh, we can't just be giving away free money. I mean, this welfare. Why did they, they attack the poor people, the people who really need it? And, it's, it's like rich people, it, it just sickens them to think of rich people not being rich. Like they, they, it, because they're thinking, looking at, like, <laughs> they're like so offended by it. It's like, yeah, this it's rich like, person what? might actually have to cut back on something. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's that, I mean, I guess if, if, you know, if I was in that situation, I guess it's like, Oh no. Cause you're, that's like taking my money. I, I, I don't understand it. It's so, I mean, well, I do understand it, but I, I just think it's, it, it's, it's just disgusting how, uh, how we operate in this, in this country. Wanda, high five. You're for universal basic income. This makes me so happy. I'm going to give you an air high five over the Zoom. This is, uh, uh, and I couldn't agree more. I mean, of the $3 trillion we just printed, like less than 15% of it went to us. It's like that, like they just freaking forked over tens, hundreds of billions of dollars to these megacorps. And I understand how these systems work, where like if you just gave us money and then there were these businesses that then were frankly like, you know, having massive problems because like they, they, they like, you know, had to go bankrupt. That would be actually okay. Like that's what the bankruptcy system is for. You know, like you could go and then rationalize like, and I'm not actually for this. It's like, I'm okay with trying to put our mm-hmm. economy in suspended animation. Um, but you start with the people. 
right. like you don't put the companies in suspended animation so that the private jet company gets like tens of millions. And then the person who worked at that airfield, like refueling jets for like 10 bucks an hour, like goes home and like has no idea what the hell to do. Right. You know, like, like that, that's like the screwed up part. Uh, and like, I agree with you that there is some kind of, uh, preservation of the status mm. quo that's like embedded mm -hmm. in what like the what's in legislators minds where it's like oh you're a mega corp like you can't go bust like that would right. be unfathomable but then like that person working at that airfield like them going bust it's like eh. um and people have caught on to the bullshit and like that that's one of like the great things about the stimulus uh, and this is a terrible time and like uh, you know like it breaks my heart all the suffering and pain and and uh you know, death. Uh, but the myth that we didn't have enough money to go around, everyone's like, what the hell are you talking about? Cause like, you just freaking like, you know, wrote a check for 3 trillion. And then people looking around being like, where, why did I not get right. like, more than that $1,200 I got spent weeks and months ago? I mean, 74% of Americans are for emergency cash relief right now, including a majority of Republicans. So like, why are we not giving cash to people? Like we're still just looking at plowing money and, and the government dropped the ball so miserably on like COVID and like people put all the blame on Trump and Trump deserves like a ton of the blame because he like really screwed things up at the top. But mm -hmm. like you can legitimately look around and being like, wait a minute, like where, where is the contact tracing? Where is the testing? It's not like, you know, that there are like problems at every level. Um, like I, I was looking in, you probably saw some of the headlines, but yeah, like some of the government failures are looking at being like, like, you know, th this was like a, like a mammoth historic level failure that has us in like this situation and you can't even bail us out <laughs> like, with, with, with no. the cash. It's like, you like leave us in this state and then you're like, and you're going to somehow like survive, even though like the, you know, your job like disappeared for like the last four months. It makes me so angry, Wanda. Um, uh, I'm thrilled that you're pro universal basic income. That's like a mm -hmm. freaking awesome, awesome thing. Absolutely. I mean, it's um it, it always amazes me how where you know like when um like let's say 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 we're talking about raising the minimum wage or whatever and then they always throw out the argument of well we we can't we can't you can't make companies in a, a bit small they, they always like to put it on small businesses you can't make small businesses pay employees fifteen whatever dollars an hour they they can't afford it. I was like well then maybe they shouldn't be in business then. If, if, or maybe you need to rethink your, your, your business plan, raise your prices, whatever, but, but they always put it on small business or, or, you know, the, uh, the, the, the little guys, instead of what they're saying is corporations, Walmart, they don't want to pay that money. They don't want to, you know, pay, they don't want to pay that, uh, the hour, hour, hourly wages, but. Or, um, or maybe those businesses could pay 15 bucks an hour if all of their customers had an extra couple thousand bucks a month. Thousand dollars. <laughs> like they're freaking spent to that business. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we're, we're like subsidizing, like you said, I mean, there was something around like McDonald's or Walmart. They like were instructing people how to access public benefits. It's like they knew they weren't paying enough for folks to get by. We're like, and so, and like the, you know, the public has been subsidizing those businesses to like this mm -hmm. massive, massive degree. Uh, yeah, like we, so that this is like the big hope I have. I mean, this is a, a difficult, uh, tragic time, but we have to do things differently on the other end. And I think that after we get Trump out of there and Joe is in the White House, 
we're going to get together. And I mean, you and me as well, we're going to get together and be like, okay, like how do we start doing things differently? Um, uh, and I'm doing something that most Democrats, you know, would like throw rocks at me for or whatever, but I'm already like planning for like the Joe Biden victory. Like at this point, I, I'm, I'm thinking like, okay, like we're going to do the work. We're going to kick ass. We're going to get young people excited. We're going to get out there and vote. Joe's going to win. I'm the math guy. The numbers say Joe's going to win. <laughs> Joe, Joe is going to win. Okay. Uh, and, and then the question is like, what then? Like then really the work begins because we're still going to be in a, a real freaking mess. Um, and we're going to have to dig out. We're going to need like a new, new deal. Uh, it's going to include universal basic income, like the green new deal, criminal, criminal justice reform and police reform. How the heck is there not a George Floyd law on the books yet? You know I mean? You literally had, uh, uh, so many of us like out there protesting uh, on the streets and you like still, you know, like there, there's so much that needs to be done. Uh, it's, it's one reason why I'm, I'm passionate too about these down ballot races where you have to try and mm, get mm -hmm. enough people in there so that we can make real changes. That's, uh, that's the key. Yeah. Because it's ridiculous that like, again, 74% of Americans want emergency cash and like Congress uh, just isn't getting its shit together. Yeah, that's like, come on, come on, Amy, you know, let's get, let's get Mitch out of there. Come on, let's do it. Yeah, I know you and I, um, you know, supported other candidates uh, initially um, in that race. Uh, you know, I, I just texted with Charles Booker actually yesterday, mm -hmm. uh, but now it's Amy, so screw it. Absolutely. Yeah, so I'm, I'm with you. Like, it's a little bit like supporting other candidates and now supporting Joe. It's like, let's get real, let's get practical and let's... Uh, um, let's get the right people into Washington. Oh, Juan, it's such a pleasure uh, talking to you. Thank you for connecting. Um, do you have anything that you're uh, working on or like an event that you're um, going to be at upcoming that you want to let people know about? Well, uh have a show but we're not sure when we're going to get you know uh released because we still have like seven episodes to shoot but we're shooting a show for netflix netflix called the upshaws so that's a difficult calculation for netflix because right now they're like we really want to put new content out there real bad we would love to put those five episodes out but then they're like do we wait until the gang gets back together and makes the next seven episodes yeah. uh like do you do you know how they make those decisions I don't, but my my thoughts is that they they want you to be able to promote it. So in this situation, you know, it's kind of hard to hit all the late night shows and all the morning TV because you know we're we're stuck in this quarantine situation. So is it hard or is it easy? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so, you'll be like. Just go on into the living room. Be like, right. hey, Jimmy. No, I'm just kidding. Like, uh, but yeah, I mean, sure. I'm sure Netflix uh, like, uh, has their algorithm. They could consult the mighty algorithm and say, uh -huh. oh, uh, oh, technology. Like, uh, what do we do with the first five episodes of the Upshaws? Well, Wanda, please do keep us posted. So thrilled that you're pro-universal basic income uh, yes. and looking forward to celebrating with you come January 2021 uh, okay. when, when, there, when there's a new president in the White House. 
Absolutely. Let's do it. <laughs>